Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Your wallet is more than just an accessory or a fashion statement. How many of you have seen fancy wallets? You know, with the, some of them with the rhinestones on them or the chains on them, and they get real fancy and all that stuff. But the truth is, is that your wallet is more than just an accessory or a fashion statement, or even it's more than really just an essential to your life. And in reality, what I've discovered is that if you take your wallet, in essence, you can find the most important things about a person that are in their wallet. You carry them in your wallet. And so over the next two to three weeks, we're going to be looking at this idea of what's in your wallet. And we're going to narrow it down. We're going to use this, this idea of what's in your wallet. You've seen the commercials, the Capital One commercials. There, I think there's some of the coolest commercials on TV where the bar, barbarians run out. And you've, you've seen all that and because they use the right card. Or I like the one with the little guardian angel that doesn't really uh, pull it off very good until the, the guy gets ready to use the wrong card. You've seen that one. Have you seen that one? That one's great. But great commercials. But it... it, it puts in our minds this concept, this idea of what we contain in our wallet. And we're going to use this idea over the next couple of weeks to look at the most, the two most important things in your wallet. And as promised, I brought my wallet. Now, I know I carry a Mac Daddy wallet, and I don't put this in my back pocket. I, I just carry it. I Don't call it a man purse. It is not a man purse. It's just a wallet, all right? So we're going to, we're gonna, I promised, and I, and I didn't doctor it up, this is my wallet as it is, minus the little sermon notes I carry around. As I always carry around a little piece of paper and write ideas down. So I'm going to show you what's in my wallet, all right? Are you ready? This is going to be profound, all right? Okay. Now, there are some miscellaneous items in my wallet that really are not paramount to our discussion. Like, for instance, I've got some, uh, I, I got a tip calculator so I don't have to use my brain when I eat at a restaurant. You know, I just pull out the little tip calculator and it does it for me. Uh, that's one of the greatest little tools. You ought to pick one of those up. I don't even have to think about it anymore. I just pull it out. I, I've got business cards, all that kind of stuff. I, this is one of my prized possessions. Let me show you one of my, my prized possessions. <clears throat> this little thing right here is a list of all the Louis L'Amour books I've read so that when I go to Walmart to buy a new Louis L'Amour book, I don't b- repeat buying a new book. Now, I know y'all didn't know I was a redneck, but I like Louis L'Amour books. And so here's my list that I carry with me 24 hours a day, just, you know, in case on the spur of a moment, I'm going to buy a Louis L'Amour book, you know. Y'all didn't know about that, that about your pastor, did you? I've been carrying that thing. Okay, so let's wipe out all the miscellaneous items that, that could be there because most of it is not very important or very interesting. So if you take my wallet, you can basically break it down like this. On the left side of my wallet, I carry cash. Now, not that much cash anymore uh, or ever, uh, but there is cash on that side when I have it and receipts because you, you most how many of you even carry cash anymore? Very few of you carry cash anymore, right? You carry your debit card, right? So I don't carry that much cash. So on the right side, I carry my debit cards and my credit cards. And then the other thing that I still carry, a lot of people don't do this anymore, is that if you open up my wallet, one of the things that you will find are pictures. I still carry pictures. Now, notice on the front, yeah, she didn't put that in there. I put that in there. She didn't set you up. That, that's my front picture. And then uh, I, I could do the little, that's Tal and Devin when Devin was was like, you know, and then you keep going and there are more kids. I started to put these up on the screen, but I didn't want to, you know, and 
so my whole, see, my pictures have changed over the last few years. I can still remember the day when I would carry pictures of my friends just to, you know, like I've got one friend that I've known since I was one year old. Some of you know him. His name is Johnny Upton. I used to carry his picture uh, when he was six years old, a picture of when he was six, so that right at the most opportune moment, like when he was making a move on a girl, I could pull it out and say, here's Johnny when he was six years old and embarrass him, you know. Uh, and so I used to carry all those. But my, my pictures have changed. I, I've come to realize that my pictures now revolve basically around two little boys and one particular woman, right? And so that's my wallet in a nutshell. Okay, now I don't know what that reminds you of, and I'm getting ready to date myself really bad, but when I start thinking about what's in your wallet, the first thing that happens is I go back to 1980, all right? I'm, I'm a product of the 80s. How many of you are a product of the 80s, right? Okay, do y'all remember the game show called Let's Make a Deal? Uh, okay, some of you are embarrassed to admit it, all right? Uh, do you remember the premise of the show? These people would dress crazy. I mean, they'd come, I mean, you've never even, you, you young guys don't even appreciate. When I say crazy, I'm talking the most outlandish, flamboyant costumes that you've ever seen in your life. And they would sit in the audience, and this guy named Monty Hall would go up in the audience, and he would ask people to find particular items, odd items in their wallet. All right, get your wallets out. Everybody get your wallets out. Come on, we're going to try this. Okay, if you don't have one, get your purse out. Guys, get your man, man purses out. All right, here we go. We're going to play a little game here. I'm going to show you basically what the idea was. Here was the idea. He would give them, he would say, let, somebody find this, and whoever could find it first would stand up, and he would give them sometimes some substantial cash. Now, we're not going to give substantial cash this morning, but he, so I, I saw him give like $600 to a person one time, and then he would say, you can keep the cash or... You remember? You can give me the cash back to see what, what's behind door number one, door number two, or door number three. Do you remember what? I, 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 I vividly remember sitting in my grandmother's house watching this game one time, and a lady gave up $600, and she went for door number two, I think it was, and it was a goat. Right? You remember that? Yeah. Or do you remember the wheelbarrow of dirt that somebody, all kinds of, okay, here we go. All right, I wrote some things down we're going to try to find. The first person that can find me, are you ready? The first person that can bring me a picture of you and your pet. I got $10 for right now. Does anybody have it in the same picture? Or does, does somebody have a picture of their pet? Oh, first hand up. First hand up. There's $10 right there. All right. All right. The next one. Anybody that can bring me a coupon from a pizza place out of your wallet or your purse. A coupon for a pizza place. I got $10 here. It'll get you a pizza this afternoon if you go to the right place. Anybody? 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 Going once? Nobody's got a pizza coupon? Uh, got what? It's a coupon, isn't it? There you go. Come on. Oh, I got the, you got to talk up. You got to, we're going to have a, okay, it was really in Michelle's purse. I didn't think it was in John's purse. All right. All right. You can, you can keep the coupon. You might. All right, last one. Now, this one's really going to date somebody. I, I don't think anybody's going to pull this one off. If you can bring me a picture of you with a mullet. I got one, man. I got one. I might ought to keep my own $10. All right, I, I had the Mac Daddy mullet. All right, nobody's got a mullet picture? Come on, everybody's embarrassed. All right, how about somebody? You got a picture of you in parachute pants? Because I had every color of parachute pants, too. All right, nobody? Okay, let me see. Let me see. What can I come up with? Um, anybody that can bring me a what? Uh, anybody that can bring me uh, Tylenol or pain, like uh, uh, aspirin. First one up here. You might need it if you're slow. 
All right, there you go. All right. She had them out, man. She must be, whoo. I think she's hurting during church. She brought it. She just pulled them right out. She was handing them out to all of her neighbors. I must be killing you. That was the premise of the game show. They would do that all hour long, and then they would... Basically, what Monty Hall did was he would try to talk people into gambling away legitimate stuff for the unknown, for things that didn't really matter. You really didn't know what was going on. So what I've concluded is this. Our wallet contains our lives. It really does. In fact, if you if you talk about my life, you can bullet down to this, and there's less of it now, but... Uh, you could boil it down to two things. My, my wallet represents two things. It represents my finances and my family. Those two things. Everything about me is wrapped up right there. So we're going to work backwards this morning. I know you're not supposed to do this, but I'm going to work a little bit backwards. I know how you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do specifics, and then you summarize at the end. I'm going to summarize everything we're going to talk about over the next three or four weeks this morning. And then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to get very specific about your family and your finances, all right? You want to know which Sunday's about finances so you can plan a trip out of town? Okay, I, it's not two weeks from now, so uh, I'm not going to tell you exactly when it is. I'm going to surprise you with it, but we're going to talk about finances and, and deal with that. So I want us to go in, into an Old Testament portion of Scripture. If you will, it should be up on the screen for you. It's Exodus chapter 8, verses 20, 25 through 28, and then we're going to go to chapter 10, verses 8 through 11, verses 24 through 26. This is what it says. It says, God said to Moses, get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh as he goes down to the water. Tell him God's message. Release my people so they can worship me. Pharaoh called in Moses and Aaron and said, go ahead, sacrifice to your God, but do it here in this country. And Moses said, that would not be wise. What we sacrifice to our God would, be, would give great offense to the Egyptians. If we openly sacrifice what is so deeply offensive to Egyptians, they will kill us. Anybody remember bovine basics? They worshiped cows and they were going to sacrifice cows. And so it would offend them. So Moses says, let us go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to our God just as he has instructed us. And Moses said, all, or Pharaoh said, all right, I'll release you to go and sacrifice to your God in the wilderness. Only don't go too far. Now pray for me. Then you know the story. Pharaoh recanted and said, no, you can't go. So in verse eight, Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh and he said to them, go ahead then, go worship your God. But just who exactly is going with you? And Moses said, we're taking young and old sons and daughters, flocks and herds. This is our worship celebration of God. And he said, I'd sooner send you off with God's blessings than let you go with your children. Look, you're up to no good. It's written all over your faces. Nothing doing. Just the men are going. Go ahead and worship God. That's what you want so badly. And they were thrown out of Pharaoh's presence. And then you will remember, Pharaoh recanted, said you can't go. And so comes back a third time in verse uh, chapter 10, verse 24. Pharaoh called in Moses, go and worship God. Leave your flocks and herds behind. But go ahead and take your children. But Moses said, you have, you have to let us take our sacrificial animals and offerings with us so we can sacrifice them and worship to our God. Our livestock has to go with us with, with not a hoof left behind. They are part of the worship of our God, and we don't know just what will be needed until we get there. Pharaoh was Monty Hall. He is trying to make a deal with Moses. On three different occasions, he tries to get Moses to gamble away something, make a deal with, with him. And the reality this morning that I want to tell you is this. There is still a Monty Hall alive today. 
He's our enemy. He is the enemy. In fact, the Monty Hall of our life, this is what he does. He tries to get us to accept the unacceptable, to forget the unforgettable, to negotiate the non-negotiable. He tries us to, to get us to touch the untouchable. He tries to convince us to sell our, the eternal for the temporary, all on a game of chance, is exactly what he does. Now, I want us to look at three, these three areas that Pharaoh challenges Moses on. Now, listen to me. You're going to have to give me some latitude a little bit on the first one because you might think, well, this is a little stretch to, to tie this one into our wallet except for this. Listen to me carefully. Your wallet is a constant reminder that you are tied to the system of this world, that you live in this world, that you are part and parcel of this world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world, remember? But this reminds us on a regular basis that we are tied to a system, and it constantly reflects to us back that we are a part of this world, whether we like it or not, and whether we understand it all. So it's not really a stretch, but I want you to just give me a little latitude, and then we'll move on and get real specific about the other two areas. The first thing that Pharaoh says to Moses is this, serve God in the land. Come on, Moses, let's make a deal. I'm Monty Hall. Why don't you just go? He said, don't go too far. Stay close, right? I'll let you go, but just go a little bit. Don't go very far. And isn't that the same thing the devil does to us today? Don't get too radical about Jesus. Just serve God in the land. Just stay, just dress like everybody else dresses. Listen to everything everybody else listens to. Go where everybody else is go. Don't change your drinking habits. Don't change your, change your language habits. Just keep doing what you've always done and add a fish to your tailgate or your bumper and that'll clarify everything and you'll be all right. Just serve God in the land. Don't get crazy. Don't fast. Don't pray. Don't read your Bible. Just stay in the land. Don't go very far. Everybody else is wanting to go a long ways off. But what he's saying is, look, you can't serve God in the land. See, Moses understood something. This is what Moses understood. He understood that if you stay in the land, you stay in bondage. If you try to stay as close to all that stuff as you can and think that you've got the willpower and the stamina on your own to refuse that stuff, the reality is is that most of us are not that strong and we will mess up and we will fall. And so what Moses teaches us, uh, teaches us is this. You've got to get out of the land. You've got to get away from that stuff. Come out and be separate. You'll remember that I read to you just a few weeks ago out of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And I read it to you out of the Message Bible. And I'll read it to you part of it again because I think it's so relevant to this portion that we're talking about. It says this, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. How many of us are so well adjusted to our culture that we just buy into what they say is okay? Like abortion? Oh, it was just an accident. We don't even think about it anymore. Like cursing, I, I am just blown away now that I can't even let my kids watch. I heard it on ABC Family Channel. They use the A word and all other kinds of words like at 8.30 at night when my kids are still trying to watch cartoons. Come on now, we've become so well adjusted to our culture that we don't even think about it anymore. And we watch it, we, and this is how we judge movies now. There weren't too many cuss words. What's too many? Oh, I'm preaching harder. Uh, I know it, this, is, this is tight, but it's right. Come on now. We, we've gotten way too close, and we keep trying to serve God in the land. We're trying to make a deal that we will lose every time. Just having a Christian T-shirt won't separate you enough. 
Just listening to Christian music on Sundays and listening to everything else the rest of the week it won't separate you enough. You have got to come out of the land to be separate so that you won't stay in bondage. All right, I've blasted you enough. Hey, listen, we are tied to this world, but we are not in this world. You are supposed to be different. Let me just be real blunt with you. You're supposed to be a freak. You're supposed to be a freak. Everybody else ought to look at you and go, man, there's something different about them. They look different. They act different. They talk different. They live different. They go to different. Why won't they do? Why won't they talk? Why aren't they filled with lust like I'm filled with lust? Why aren't they filled with prejudice like I'm filled with prejudice? Why aren't they filled with hate like I'm filled with hate? Why aren't they as bitter as I'm bitter? Why? Why are they so different? And then we have an opportunity to say, because I'm not living here. I'm passing through. I'm not tied to this land. I am not of this world. I'm a... Come on, we gotta, we got to get out of the land so the land will get out of us. You ought to write that down right there. In fact, I need a pen. I think I'll write. Come on now. Come on. Get out of the land. The second thing Moses deals with with Pharaoh is this. And this is where we're going to get real specific next week. Pharaoh says to Moses, let's make a deal, Moses. You can go and you can leave, but you got to leave your children behind. Leave them behind. Children, family, you fill in the blank. If you're not married, you're going to have to use your thought process. Just fill in the blank. Leave your family behind. Leave your friends behind. Just leave them behind. Those that are important to you, just leave them behind. Would they have been free? Absolutely, they'd been free. But at what cost? They would have been free, but they would have forfeited an entire generation left behind in bondage. It kind of reminds me of Isaiah chapter 39. I, I don't know if you've ever read Isaiah chapter 39, but a really powerful portion of Scripture, they're going to put it on the screen for you. It says this, Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Now listen to this message from God of the angel armies. I have to warn you, the time is coming when everything in this palace, along with everything your ancestors accumulated before you, will be hauled off to Babylon. God says that there will be nothing left. Nothing And not only your things, but your sons. Some of your sons will be taken into exile, ending up as eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon, Hezekiah. Listen to what he says. Hezekiah replied to Isaiah, good. If God says so, it's good. Within himself, he was thinking, but surely nothing bad will happen in my lifetime. I will enjoy peace and stability as long as I live. Sorry, I missed it. Because here's a guy that walks in, the prophet walks into Hezekiah and says, look, you're going to lose everything, and not only that, some of your sons are going to be put into bondage for the rest of their life. And not only will they be put in bondage, they will be made eunuchs. They will no longer have the ability to produce. Come on now. They will, be, they will have no ability to reproduce themselves. They will not prosper. They will be in bondage. And Hezekiah steps back and says, good, man, that's a great word. Why is that a good word? And he thinks, because there will be peace in my day. I want to tell you something. If somebody walks up into my house and says, you can go free, but Tal and Devin are going to struggle with drugs and alcohol and pornography the rest of their life, and they're never going to operate in freedom, that is not a good word. And we shake our heads and go, bad Hezekiah, bad king. You shouldn't think like that. But the reality is, is that's how we operate. Because we have parents that right now are mortgaging their child's future, living lavish lifestyles, never stopping to think that I am putting my child in bondage that they will deal with that I never have to deal with. Because there will be peace in my day. 
I'll drive the nice car in my day. I'll live in the big house in my day. I'll wear the fancy clothes in my day. Yeah, my kids, I'm, I'm forfeiting my kids' future, but I'll go ahead and do that because there's peace in my day. I'm preaching real good right now. We allow our children, this is the other thing we do, we allow our children, we will allow them to miss church for anything. Homework, housework, game, doesn't matter. We just say, oh yeah, that's important. You know what we do? We teach our kids, we are teaching our kids that social or intellectual education is more important than spiritual education. That a busy schedule is God. That is what we are teaching our kids, that a full calendar is our God. And we cause them, we teach our kids to miss heaven. You know what I've realized? Parents experience God, kids experience we. So for some of you folks who don't know what a we is, it's a video game. We got one and I love it. It's fun and I bought it for the youth group because I wanted them to have something to play with. The only reason I bought it for them is because I know what our youth pastors are doing and they're meeting God as well. But the truth is, is most of us have had some type of encounter of God, with God. And what we are more concerned about is our kids having an encounter with a video game. We have touched God, but they haven't touched God. And, and then we want... Listen, we come to church every week and we get our dance on and we get our praise on and we get our goosebumps on. But let me ask you a question. What's happening with your children? Well, that's what the youth pastors are for. The children's work. No, 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 no. You know what the youth pastors and the, the, the children's workers are for? To reinforce what you teach them at home. Let me just be real bold this morning. Your kids don't need a counselor. They don't need a psychic. They don't even need me as their pastor. They don't need a diary to write their thoughts in. You know what they need? They need a a mom and a dad that will get so full of the Holy Ghost that you'll get your hands on your kids on a daily basis and lay your hands on them and pray with them and listen to them and care for them. That will make a difference in in your kid's life. We cannot forfeit our children. When's the last time you confronted your kids about what they listened to? When's the last time you got, got a hold of their iPod and went through it and made sure they were listening? When's the last time you went to their MySpace page to find out who they were talking to and what they were talking about? When was the last time you asked them what kind of movie are you going to see? When was the last time you said, who are you hanging out with? We cannot forfeit our kids. I'm reminded of the story. This story is about two boats, two old coal-driven boats that went up the Mississippi. They left Miss, uh, up the Mississippi River. They, they were leaving to New Orleans, and they were just kind of side by side, and the sailors began to badmouth, you know, like talking smack. We'd call it trash talk now. They were talking about how slow each other were going, and so they began to badmouth one another. My boat's faster than your boat, and suddenly what was just a business adventure journey turned into a race, and they began to shovel in the coal, and they began, they were going faster and faster into racing when all of a sudden one of the boat started falling behind because they brought enough coal for a trip but not for a race when suddenly one ingenious sailor discovered that you could take some of the cargo and throw it into the ovens and burn it and it burned just as good as the coal and they began to catch up so they just kept throwing it in and eventually by the time they got to new orleans they had won the race only one problem what they'd been hired to transport had been burned in the race their cargo was lost. The cargo that they, were, that, that they had been trusted with was gone. And my question this morning to you is this. If you win the race, if you get the promotion, 
If you get the nice car, if you get the big house, if you get all the fame and fortune that goes along with all of that, and you lose your cargo on the way, did you really win? Was it worth it? Good question. Is it worth it? If we, if we experience God, but our kids never experience God. If we get the money, but our kids don't know who God is. If we get to have our good time in church, but our kids don't ever encounter God. We cannot become Hezekiah and say the word of the Lord is good. Send them into bondage. Absolutely not. I don't know where you stand this morning, but I stand here. I will work harder for my kids than the devil does. Did you know that there are 7 million kids that come to church on a regular basis in America. They are here every week that are not saved. Recent statistics tell us that 7 million a week get out of their beds on a Sunday morning and come attend church that don't know who Jesus is as their personal Savior. You know why? Because the other statistic is is that all the adults that sit in the sanctuary, half of you, have never encountered a saving knowledge relationship with Jesus. You just come because this is what Christians or good Americans are supposed to do. And guess who they learn it from? Us. I will work harder for my kids than the devil. You have to have an encounter with God so that your children will have an encounter with God. You have to have an encounter of God so your friends will have an encounter with God. You have to have an encounter of God so your spouse will have an encounter with God. You have got to make up your mind. As for me and my house, whatever that represents, you and your little kids, you and your grown-up kids, you and your boyfriend that you're dating, your girlfriend that you're dating, whoever you're in relationship with, you have got to come to the place where you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We, I didn't say we might if it's convenient. I said we will serve the Lord. I will make whatever sacrifices I have to make to get them out of bondage. And I will protect them. We'll talk more about that next week. And then finally, Pharaoh comes to Moses and he says this. Let's make a deal. You can go, but leave your flocks and your herds behind. Now, I don't know what you're thinking about this time, but I'm thinking that they've been in bondage for about 400 years, and this sounds like a good deal. Just leave your, your pig. Well, I don't guess Israelites had any pigs. Get, lose your cow. Leave your cows. Leave your goats. Did they have goats? I don't know. Go- yeah, they had to have goats. Doves. I don't know what all. Leave whatever else you got. Leave Benji. I don't know. Ren 1010. Whatever you got. Just leave them behind and cut while the cut's good. This sounds like a good deal. You can always start over. You know what he's asking him to do? Leave your treasure behind. See, Moses understood this. That if the people left their treasures in Egypt, they wouldn't go very far and they would turn around and go back. Because, remember what Jesus says in Matthew, where your treasure is, your heart is also. And so what we are taught in this is this, how we handle our wallets determines whether we go free or not, whether we live in freedom. Because if our finances have not been deposited into the kingdom of God and we begin to operate according to the principles of God's word, we will stay in bondage. See, God talks about money. We're going to talk about money. See, what happens is, as Christians, we become trapped by materialism, and we want more and more and more, and we want to see what's behind door number one, and behind door number two, and behind door number three, and we become just as consumed with materialism as the person that doesn't know Jesus. And we become trapped. Because where our treasure is, our heart is also. And so what we're going to learn over the, the, the coming weeks is how to operate according to God's laws of economics. 
What should, how should we handle our cash? How should we handle our, our cards? How do we handle that element of our life? And you know what? God's got some very specific things to say about money. We just don't like to talk about them at church. But I will tell you this just as kind of just a preliminary statement. God's laws stand in complete opposition to the world's laws. See, the world says this, get everything you can get while you can get it and hoard it. While God says, give and it shall be given unto you, press down, shaken together, right? And run it over. Totally opposite ideas. That the world says this, give only when you have to. And then if only when they put a crying baby on the TV and they twist your heart and your arm and they make you give, then you give. And God says, "Uh uh-uh, I love a cheerful giver. Somebody, you know what that word cheerful there means? Hilarious. Just gives it away. Understanding that we only have stewardship of what's in here. It's not really ours anyway. He just gives it to us so we can steward. So we've got to understand that we've got to, to deal with what Moses dealt with and, and understand if we live our treasures in the land, we will go back. If we find our treasures in this land, we will stay bound. Kind of reminds me of the story. It's a legend about the Roman emperor Charlemagne. Legend has it that Charlemagne, right before he died, made a request. It was his, his request. He wanted to be buried upright, sitting in his throne. And he wanted to have his scepter in his hand and he wanted his crown on his head, and he wanted his cape over his shoulders, and he wanted one particular book open on his, on his lap. And so legend has it that that's what happened. So 200 years later, uh, Emperor Othello decided that he wanted to see if his requests were carried out. The report came back that the requests were carried out, but it was a little bit gruesome now because when they went into the tomb to find out what was going on, they found now that the cape was moth-eaten and that the crown was kind of tilted off to the side a little bit. The scepter was tarnished. Everything was kind of gruesome. But on his skeletal thighs, there was laying an open book and one bony skeleton finger was pointing to a verse of Scripture in the Bible because it was the Bible he'd asked for representing his power. And this is the verse of scripture that that one skeletal finger pointed to. Matthew chapter 12, verse 26. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? That's the question I want to pose to you this morning. What's in your wallet? If your wallet is full of hundreds this morning, what good does it do you if you lose your soul? If you've got the deed to a million dollar mansion this morning stuck in your wallet, maybe it's in a safety deposit box somewhere. If it's in your wallet but you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and you're always consumed by stress and, and, and high blood pressure and stomach ache because you're thinking about all the things that you own or that actually own you, then what good does it do you? Moses' situation teaches us this. We have got to come to the place where we deposit all of our goods, our money, our houses, our cars, our clothes. And yes, we enjoy them, but we place them in the right place. We give them to God and we say, we will operate according to your standards, not ours. And this stuff no longer owns me. I belong to you. If you say get rid of it, I'll get rid of it. Has God ever told you to get rid of a car? I know somebody that gave a car away. Anybody else? Anybody ever had to give a car away because God? Yeah, several. Was it hard? It didn't, it, come on, be honest. Sometimes it's hard. But why? Because we get tied to that stuff. Do you need a car? Yeah, you probably do. Do you need clothes? Oh, yeah. I'm glad you got them on this morning. 
Do you need a house to live in? Absolutely. The difference is, is that what the enemy wants to do is get your heart wrapped up in those things and you forget about God. He's trying to make a deal with you. The three deals. One, serve God in the land. Some of you are way too close. You need to separate from the land. Two, go free. Get your spiritual experience, but leave your kids in bondage. It won't work. Oh, it'll work for you. It just won't work for them. And three, leave your treasure in the land. Oh, you can serve God. You can go to church on Sunday and worship, and it won't matter that you're all consumed by... Listen, it matters. God wants us to deposit everything into His kingdom. Steve, are you saying the church needs all my money? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying we just give him everything, and then if God says give everything, we will. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? What's in your wallet? What's important to you? What matters to you? I want you to stand with me this morning. The most important things in my life are represented right here. My finances, not in this order either, by the way, and my family. Those are the most, the two most important things in my life. You know what? I, I, I would imagine those are probably the two most important things in your life as well. How do we handle those things? I want you to come back next week and what we're going to deal with is family. How do we handle, how do we take care of ours? And then at the given time, won't be next week, we're going to talk about finances, and I'm going to challenge you to rethink how you handle your money. Talk about some spiritual laws that God gives us about money. You know, Jesus is concerned about money. He talked more about money than any other subject. Go look it up for yourself. I'll give you the exact count how many verses he talks about finances compared to the other topics that he dealt with. But the truth is he talked more about finances than anything else. Why? Because he knows that we're concerned about those things. He wants us to serve him with everything. John, will you go get the kids? We're going to bring the kids in real quick. We're going to have a prayer this morning. I'm going to pray first that we come out of the land. I don't know where you, how you're living. Some of you just need to come to a new level of separation. You're way too close. No, no difference between you and everybody else around you. If you know Jesus, something ought to be different. And then we're going to pray about our finances, that God will allow us not to hold too tight, to deposit everything into His kingdom so we can learn to live in freedom. But the last thing we're going to do this morning is we're going to pray with our kids. Now, let me just tell you, there are some kids coming in here that don't have parents here, and that's all right. We're going to adopt them this morning. They're part of us. And they're going to come in and join us here in just a moment. And I, if you see kids that don't have parents and you feel led by the Holy Spirit to go grab them, I want you to go grab them. And we're going to make a commitment as a body, a congregation, that we're going to protect our children. That it's not enough for us to come in here and get excited about Jesus. We want them excited about Jesus too. Kids, if you'll go stand with your parents. If your parents are not here, just stay right there by John for a second. If your parents are here, Tao, come here. Where's Devin? Come on, Devin. 
John, I want you to adopt Logan right there. All right? He's yours. You've been wanting a son? There he is. And there's the other one. you got tw- almost twins. Some years separating them, but let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful this morning that you love us. The truth is, is that everything that's important to us can be represented by what we carry in our wallet, Father. There are a lot of important things in our life. God, I don't want to make a deal. I want to operate in freedom. So this morning, Father, if there are those standing in this house this morning that are living way too close to the world, I pray that they would come out from the land right now. Going a little ways off is not enough. I pray that they would be completely and totally different in the name of Jesus. No condemnation, God. I just pray that we would make up our minds and we would commit our lives to you to the point that we don't think like we used to think. We don't talk like we used to talk. We don't drink what we used to drink. We don't go where we used to go. We are different. We've had a change take place in in our lives. So we come out of the land. Father, I pray for our finances over the next couple weeks as we begin to talk about some of these. I pray that you'd loosen our grip on what we own what consumes us. Father, if there's anyone in this room this morning that lays awake at night and can't go to sleep because they think about the bills and they think about the money and they think about the houses and the cars and what am I going to do and where am I going to get this? And God, I pray that in the name of Jesus right now, you would allow us to refocus how we handle that area of our life and that we would be willing to listen and to learn a new way to live and we would put our treasures in your kingdom not this kingdom because this kingdom will pass away but your kingdom never passes away and now father we we commit with our families if if you're here and you don't have children and you've got friends standing around you you're single maybe you've got family or friends standing around you get get them by the hand right now father we make a commitment this morning I make a commitment this morning that those that I love, those that I'm in relationship with, are more important than anything else. God, I refuse to operate in freedom and let them fall into bondage. I will do everything that's within me to make sure that they go free too. Father, for the moms and dads in this house this morning, I pray that we would refocus our attention on our children. Father, I refuse to... to get my dance on and get my experience with you and let my kids only encounter video games or sports. God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, they would have an encounter with you. That's the most important thing. So I'll do what I have to do. If I have to confront, if I have to ask them who they're hanging out with, if I have to turn the TV off, if I have to turn the radio off, whatever I have to do to protect them, I'll do it in Jesus name. Father, I pray that over my spouse. I pray that over my friends. I refuse to operate in freedom and let them stay in bondage. We all are coming out of the land in Jesus' name. Father, we declare this morning that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I will not leave one behind in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, I pray for my kids' minds. Protect their minds. 
God, I pray for their hearts that they would stay soft and tender and sensitive to you. Keep them pure. Keep them holy. Keep them safe in every way. In Jesus' name. God, I pray that you'd let them grow up to be mighty, mighty, mighty men of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to deal with the issue of your family and your finances. Come, listen, I know we're casual. You better come casual next week. Because we'll be loading some chairs. We've got 315 chairs to load up. It's going to take us a few moments. Come casual. Modest, but casual. i got to throw that in there. Right? Love on somebody. Ask them to see what's in their wallet. No, don't. Make a deal with them. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.